and turn to Psalm 1 and uh, be preaching out of Psalm 1 tonight. <clears throat> and um, this is something that I've, I've taught in our Sunday school class some of this, and just kind of not, not all of what I'm going to give you tonight, but taught this in our Sunday school class because the Lord was making it into a message, and I was just excited about it and wanted to preach it, but didn't know when I would get to preach it, and so I just took it and taught it in our Sunday school class and broke it up and um, taught it in two Sundays, but it's, it's not that much. You say it took him two Sundays to teach it. How long does that mean he's going to preach? Not that long, I promise. Um, I'll, have a, I'll have you out of here quicker than Brother Brandon did this morning, so <laughs> we'll have you out of here pretty quick, but it wasn't that long this morning. I appreciate that message. How many of you enjoyed that message this morning? It was good. It was a help, and it blessed me and got an encouragement from that. But uh, just excited to preach tonight um, here in Psalm 1 and uh, just what the Lord's given me and the title's there on the screen. You see, The Blessed Man, um, that's just kind of the title that the Lord gave me to this. But really a question that I want to ask with that is, are you living the life of a blessed man? Are you living the life of a blessed man or woman? Or not, or are you not? And really, we're going to look at two different contrasts tonight. We're going to look at the blessed man and the ungodly man, the two different contrasts that we see in Psalm 1, and hopefully they'll be a blessing to you, and you can kind of do a self-examination as we look through this of who the blessed man is, because we'll look at what the blessed man does and what the blessed man does not do, and then we'll look at the ungodly man, what he is, kind of how he is, and I ask you just to do a self-examination as I'm preaching, what am I? Do I have these characteristics? Characteristics. Am I missing these um, or am I this? Just examine yourself as I preach and hopefully the word of God will be a blessing and the Lord will use it greatly as I preach tonight. But um, let's all stand if we would. I'm going to read the whole psalm here, Psalm number one, and then we'll pray and you can be seated. We'll get right into God's word. But here's Psalm number one. The Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You may be seated and we'll pray um, this evening and get into the word of God. Let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, just want to say we love you. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, for what you are. Lord, we ask you now, Lord, just to bless this time. Lord, is try to open your word and Lord, give what you've given to me. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to give it with clarity of mind. Lord, just help me. Lord, use, use me as a vessel, Lord, to just preach what you've laid on my heart and just speak through me. Lord, help it not to be me, but you speaking through me. Lord, we love you. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done thus far in the services tonight. Lord, how you blessed this morning. And we just thank you and praise you for what you've done and what you're going to do for us in Jesus' name that we pray and give thanks. Amen and amen. And I was talking to the guys in the back, uh, I think it was this morning, and I was like, you know, I really don't have any kind of fun slides and presentations and all the points and all that fun stuff. I said, I just don't know how to use all that stuff yet. I said, hopefully I'll get into that where you can thub. You know how Preacher and Brother Brandon even, they have, like they'll have their title and they'll have all their main points and whatnot up there. I'm, like, I'm not that tech savvy yet. I'll have to figure it out eventually. <clears throat> so I just print all my stuff on paper and just have the hard copies and have to go off of that. But hopefully I'll get to that eventually one day where you can 
can get up there and look at it because it's a blessing to me getting to see it there because sometimes I don't get the whole point right away when they say it and so I can look up there and I can know what to write down because my mind just running crazy so I try to get it but <clears throat> I know it makes it easier and helps sometimes but I'm not quite there yet so you just have to pray Lord help me to learn quicker and uh, get to there but as I said, we'll be preaching tonight on the blessed man, looking at him here in Psalm 1. And really what I want to begin with is looking at a few things that the blessed man does not do. And we see that here in the beginning of Psalm 1 as we read verse number 1 where it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So the first thing we see in the first verse is some things that the blessed man does not do. And some things that us, if we want to live the life as a blessed man, that we should not do. And so I just kind of want to look at these. The first thing that we see in verse number one is that the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse number five, the Bible says, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are are deceit. And then in Psalms 33, verse 11, the Bible says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. So we see that if you are to be a blessed man, you're not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You won't be seeking counsel from those that are in the world that have no really no dealings or are not a born-again believer. Now, that's not talking about medical help when you're trying to seek some medical advice. Yeah, you better go to a, a doctor who studied all of that and has gotten that, gotten the, knows the information, knows what he's doing. But the same as a, you, when you go to a doctor that has studied and practiced that particular thing, you go to them, a specialist, hey, I need help with this. This is what's wrong with me. What do I need to do? The same is with our life, how you live your life. Why would we not go to the one who has the master plan and has it perfect of what you need to do and how you need to do it, why would we not go to the great physician in all that matters in our life and what we should do and how we should seek counsel from that great physician? We should go to the Lord, but a blessed man will not go to the counsel of the world. He will not seek the wisdom of the world, and he will not seek the wisdom And when it pertains to life, how we should live our life, how you need to live your marriage, how, if you're having trouble there, how to raise children, all those avenues of life. You shouldn't go to the worldly counselors that they have out there and all the worldly wisdom that they can have because it's not going to lead to a solution to the problem. If you want an answer to the solution to the problem, you go right here to God's Word. Because the Bible says, as I've already read in Psalm 33, 11, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever, and the thoughts of his heart to all generations. God's counsel standeth forever. And then, as I read before in Proverbs 12, verse 5, it says, The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. The counsel of those worldly examples, those that aren't born-again believers that don't take you to God's word, the counsel they give you in marriage, child-rearing, and other aspects, aspects such as that, they're deceitful. They're not going to lead to the right end, and it's not going to help you ultimately. It might give you a temporary Band-Aid and a little fix for just the temporary, but it won't last. When you seek God's Word and come to a, your pastor and seek godly advice and seek God's wisdom in how to live your life, how to live your marriage, how to raise your children, you'll get the advice and the counsel and the wisdom that will last, and you will be able to teach and train those, and they will, it will grow in stronger and stronger stronger and it will not be able to be broken up and 
you've heard the saying, sorry, getting tongue-tied, but you've heard it, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. When you put God in the center of anything, it's hard to break it. If you put God's counsel and God's wisdom in the center of how you raise your children, it's not going to break real easy. It can, but it's not going to break real easy. If you put God in the center of your marriage life and he's in the center of that, it's not going to break real easy. You're putting it all together. We must go to the counsel of God's word. If you're a blessed man, you're not going to go to the world. You're not going to seek counsel from the ungodly. But not only that, we see that the the blessed man, he not only does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but he also does not stand in the way of sinners. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 17, the Bible says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So, as a blessed man, as a child of God, we should not be standing in the way of sinners. We should not be standing where sinners stand in the lifestyle that they live, the places that they go, and the, just that crowd that they are and that council, where they are, where they're talking. We don't stand with them. And as we go through this, these three things that we see that a blessed man does not do, there is a progression as we go, or a digression, if you will, as we see that to begin with, the blessed man, if you're not a blessed man, you're going to be walking in the counsel of the ungodly. You're starting to just walk over here listening to the counsel of what this person's telling you and counsel of what this person's telling you, just kind of walking with them, but then you find yourself standing in the way that they're standing, and you're just standing there listening to them. You're spending a little more time. You're not walking and moving. Now you're standing still with them, but then the Bible says as you get to it, it says the blessed man or blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So it's a progression or a digression to where they're first they're walking, they're just walking with them. It's just in passing, they're just walking. Hey, maybe they might go with them a little bit here, go with them a little bit there while they're walking, but then it turns to, well, we're standing with them now. We're standing right with them. We're not moving to where we can walk away. Now we're standing here having a full-blown just interaction, just talking with them and everything. Then we find ourselves sitting in the seat with them. And it says here, in the seat of the scornful. And I looked at that word scornful, and it means contemptuous or disdainful. We don't need to have a contemptuous spirit or a scornful spirit. But if we find ourselves walking in the counsel of the ungodly, you're seeking that wisdom from the world, you're going to find yourself being critical of the things of God, being critical of other people. Well, that person, a big thing that's pushed now is just, well, do what you feel is right and do what makes you feel okay. And it's, it's, it's all about you and it's not about everybody else. No, the Bible says it's all about others. Jesus first, others second, put yourself on the back burner and then you have true joy and true happiness when you put yourself on the back. Others have to come before you. It's, all about, it's about other people. Yes, you take care of yourself, but Jesus is foremost and first and he takes precedence. Then others come into place and then you put yourself in third place and you will have that true joy But if you find yourself sitting in the seat of the scornful, you'll find yourself more so gossiping of others, talking about others, talking down about others, talking about how, oh, did you see what this person did? Did you see how they did it? When if you're living the life of a blessed man, you're not going to live that way. You're going to avoid those conversations. When somebody comes to you, hey, did you hear what this person did? Well, no, not really, but I really don't care. I'd rather not know. Um, Because all that's going to do is stir up strife and it's going to give you something to talk bad about them that's really just hearsay. 
It's not really truth. It's just kind of hearsay of, well, that's what, they, what this person said. And the devil would love nothing more than to use hearsay and to twist a story to destroy someone in your eyes to where, hey, they just twist it up. Will you take it just maybe it's true, maybe it's not, but you heard it from somebody else and so now you're telling it to them. The devil loves to twist things around. I know many people, <clears throat> especially in here, I'm sure many of you had played the game at one point, telephone, where you're telling it into the next person's ear and you start here and you listen to how it gets twisted and tangled up at the end and it's kind of amazing just in that shorter period of time how things can get messed up and twisted and all changed up well it's the same when you're just listening to hearsay and what someone is saying about someone else if you hear something whether you wanted to or not you hear something make sure it's true don't just take it and run with it the blessed man is going to make sure it's true or just say, well, that's not going to help me or edify me. It's not a wicked sin. It's not something horrible that's going to affect them. It just needs to be dropped, and you just leave it alone because it's not against God's word. It's just maybe something, a personal preference. Maybe it's personal preference you have, but you're not going to go talking about that person because they don't live exactly like you do. You're just going to leave it alone, and you're going to give it to the Lord. But if you're not living the life of the blessed man, you're going to find yourself sitting down and talking with other people about those, being scornful, just talking, man, did you see what they did? Did you hear about this person? you hear all that they've been doing? I mean, can you believe what they did? And that's where you find yourself when you start walking with the, in the counsel of the ungodly. Then you start standing around in the way of the sinners. You'll find yourself seated and talking and being in that the seat of the scornful. So we see those three different things that we see about the blessed man that he will not do. The blessed man does not walk in that worldly counsel. He does not stand in the way of sinners, and he does not sit in the seat of the scornful. But then, what I love is we, have, we can look at some things that the blessed man does do. Because in verse number one, it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Verse 3 says, And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So here in verses 2 and 3, we see some things that a blessed man will do. Because in verse number 1, it gives us what he doesn't do. Then verse 2 starts with but. So it's changing it up. All right, this is what the blessed man's not going to do, but this is what he is going to do. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. The blessed man will delight in God's word. In Psalms 37, in verse number four, <clears throat> the Bible says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And then in Psalm 37, verse 23, the Bible says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So we are to delight ourselves in the law of the Lord. Well, what's the law of the Lord? God's word. We are to delight in God's word. Do you enjoy reading God's word? Do you enjoy listening to God's word being read? Does it bring you joy and happiness when you're reading God's word? When you hear God's word read, does it make you happy? Does it 
give you that delight. You're like, man, that's exciting. I love listening to God's word. Anytime you hear somebody preaching, anybody, when they get up to read the scripture, you get excited because you love listening to God's word because it helps you, because you spend time in it. The blessed man is gonna have so much joy and delight when God's word is opened, whether he's reading it or somebody else is reading it. Anytime that God's word is open, you're going to be joyful. You're gonna be delightful. You're like, man, I cannot wait for this to get started. I can't wait to start it myself or I can't wait for him to say that first word in God's word, it's just, man, I'm just excited. You say, well, that's crazy. No, that's not crazy. That's the way we should be. You should be excited and ready for God's word to be read and ready to read it in the mornings or the evenings or both or whenever you read it or you hear it read, you need to get excited and be ready to hear something because if you're ready to hear something, you're like, man, God can feed me from this. I wanna see what God's gonna give me now. And you have that mindset, he's going to give you something every time. And you're going to just be fed on a, all the time. Every time you open it, whether somebody else is reading it or you're reading it, you're going to get that nourishment and you're going to get fed if you're ready for it. And you're like, well, man, I can't wait to hear what God's going to give me today. I can't wait to see what I'm going to get out of this scripture. And I know many of you get my e- the emails, the morning meditation, but for me in the mornings when I get up and when I read and I write that just that little bit, top it out of what the Lord's given me out of that, I'm excited every morning that I send those out and get them going because I get something out of those. And it helps me, and I love that through Calvary it gets to be sent, be sent out so that many other people can enjoy it and get it. I know many of you told me that you love it and it's, it, it helps you. Well, I, I'm just hoping that it helps you as much as it helps me in the mornings because that's what it does to me. It just gets me excited and fired up about reading in the mornings and just seeing what I'm gonna get from that verse this morning. What am I gonna get out of God's word this morning? Where am I, what am I gonna get fed? And that's what I write down, what God's word has just spoken to my heart and what he's given to me. And the blessed man is gonna have that attitude and that mindset He's going to delight in the law of the Lord. But not only is he going to delight in the law of the Lord, it also says there in the latter part of verse number two, it says, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. So the blessed man is going to meditate on God's word. He's not only going to be excited about listening to it and excited about reading it, but he's going to be dwelling on it all day long and all night long when he's awake. Just little things are going to happen. He's going to be meditating on God's word and what God's word has spoken to his heart already. He's going to be thinking on it. It's going to be brought up. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I love what Joshua writes there. If we meditate on God's word and it's just in us and we're just dwelling on it, it says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. If we're meditating on it, we're gonna know how to live our life. We're getting that godly counsel. But then it says, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. So it's not just meditating on it because it's good, it's meditating on it because it's going to benefit us. But then in Psalms 19 in verse number 14, the Bible says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And I've taught devotions on this and I don't think I've ever preached a message on this verse, but I've taught many devotions on letting the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart to be acceptable in God's sight. Well, how is it acceptable in God's sight? Well, how do things get to our heart? How do things get there for us to meditate upon? Well, they come through our ears and through our eyes. Everything that we see and everything that we hear comes into our mind And then from our mind, it goes to our heart. 
And from our heart, it comes back up into our mind, and that's what's going to come out of our mouth. So what you're filling your eyes and your ears with is what's going to end up in your heart and what's going to eventually come out because what's full in your heart is what's coming out your mouth. And so to find out if someone is a blessed man that's meditating on God's word and love God's word, listen to how they talk. Listen to what they say because the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So what your heart's meditating on is what you're talking about. Are you talking about the Lord? Are you excited about the Lord? Now, that's not saying that everything you talk about is just going to be the Lord. You're going to have conversations about other things, about sports, about events, about different things. You're going to talk about those things, but you'll find yourself in a lot of different, in just conversations, you'll find yourself drifting to things of the Lord. And you'll find yourself drifting to how good God's been and maybe what you read and how that reminds you of what, how good the Lord's been or what he's done. You'll find yourself drifting to that and that's going to be kind of where things end up if it's a long conversation. You're like, well, how did we end up here talking about the Lord? Well, because that's really what the abundance of the heart, what's in there is the Lord. Now, you're going to talk about other things, but you'll find yourself drifting back to the things of the Lord. But not only the so the blessed man delight in the law of the Lord. Not only does he meditate on the word day and night, but the third thing that we see here in the end of verse number three where it says, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So if you are a blessed man, you will prosper for the Lord. And Nehemiah chapter two, verse 20 The Bible says, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. But he's talking here, Nehemiah, when he's talking and building the wall and everything there, he is talking to these that wanted to be on the other side and they didn't want to cross over and help and take. He's like, well, we're going to build. You don't have no portion and all these things. But he was telling them, the God of heaven will prosper us. And that was really where I wanted to pull from that verse was we look, God will prosper us. But then when you jump back to a verse I've already read in Joshua 1.8, where it says, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. How was Nehemiah able to tell them the God of heaven will prosper us because they were obeying what God had told them to do? How can we, as the children of God, have our way prosperous by following what Joshua said for us to do? This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Don't let God's word be out of our life. Be in God's word, meditating on it, just delighting in it, ready to read it, ready just to study it, filling it into our hearts so that we are just flowing over with the word of God. So as we live our life, we're going to prosper through the Lord. He will make things to prosper. I looked at that word prosper means to be successful or to succeed. And everybody wants to succeed. You want to be successful in what you do and how you do it. I mean, if you don't want to be successful, something's wrong with you. You ask anybody in the world, well, do you just want to be a failure and nothing, or do you want to succeed? Do you want to be successful? You go, well, yeah, I want to be successful in what I do. I mean, I want, to, I want to prosper in what I'm doing. As Christians, we should want the same thing. Well, if you want your life to prosper, sometimes it may not seem like it is. Sometimes it may seem like your life's turned upside down. Things are going completely opposite of way, the way you think they should in different areas, but you're like, Lord, I know you've told me to do this. Things seem to be falling apart, seem to be going haywire. Nothing seems to be going right, but you've told me to do this. You've told me this is the way I need to go, and because you've told me, I trust you and I believe you. You've shown me in your word this is what I need to do. This is the life I need to live, and I'm 
going to do it because you told me to. It don't seem right. Things just are falling apart. It's not working out. If you'll stay faithful to him and you'll delight in his word and in what he's leading you to do, you'll begin to see how he's working everything together to prosper and for you to be successful and for things to come together. Some of it may just be you see this, you'll see the success when we get to heaven. You'll see the fruits of your labor, but some of it you'll see just in time. You'll see how he's working everything out. We're putting everything together, and it's all working together for his good, and you will see the success in everything if you're faithful. So if you're delighting yourself in his word and you're meditating on his word and obeying his word, then you will see that you will prosper You say, well, how do we prosper when you're obeying God's word and when you do things in the right spirit, when you do things with the right motive, and when you do things in the right order? In Matthew 9, verse number 16, the Bible says, No man putteth a piece of new cloth unto an old garment, for that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. You say, well, why'd you put that verse there? What does that have to do with doing things in the right order? Well, if you take a worn out life and you just you're not living the way you should, you're not following the Lord, you just take that live that that worn out life that you just, well, I want to continue on this, but I want to start doing something for the Lord while I'm living the same way that I want to live. I'm still doing kind of the same things I want to do. If you try to take something and say, Well, I'm gonna live for the Lord while I'm doing this, it's the same as taking that new piece and putting it on an old garment and it ain't going to do nothing but make it tear even more and the hole's going to be worse. It's not going to fix the problem. It's going to make it worse. You have to get rid of the old and put on the new because when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You don't take just a patch and say, well, I'm going to live for the Lord, but I'm going to still live my old lifestyle. No, you can't do that. You've got to put the Lord and just put on the whole new garment and that whole new life in Jesus Christ and press on for him. And that's doing things in the right order. It's not, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. No, you got to do it God's way. Then when you give your life to him, then everything else starts to fall in place and everything just becomes wonderful. You get to see the wondrous working of his hands, but all things must become new. You can't just put something new on an old garment. The whole thing has got to be made new. But we see those things about the blessed man, those things that he does do and the things that he does not do. But I want to take just a few minutes and look at the ungodly man, just look at a few things on him for maybe you can examine, well, am I living the life of an ungodly man? Well, let's examine this real quick, and we can see just a few things about the ungodly man. Here in verse number four, the Bible says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Verse six, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall Perish. And just a few things that I have written down about this ungodly man is they're not like the blessed man. They don't seek God. The ungodly man is not someone that's born again that is, or that is following God. Sometimes you have a born-again Christian that's not living the life of a blessed man. Most of the time, you have the ungodly man is one that's lost, that just doesn't know Christ. But sometimes you, get, you drift away from the Lord and you're living the lifestyle of an ungodly man, even though you've been redeemed and you've been bought with a price. And 
you are his, sometimes you're living that lifestyle. You're not necessarily the ungodly man as we're reading because the ungodly man will perish, but you're living that lifestyle and you're living after the ungodly man. You're not living that lifestyle of a blessed man that has been redeemed, that has been born again. But the blessed man does not live like, the, or the ungodly man does not live like the blessed man. He does not seek God. He lives for the pleasures of this life. In Luke chapter 12 In verses number 16 through 21, the Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful. And he he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat drink and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So this is just an example of an ungodly man because he said, you know what? I've had a good year, man. I've had plenty of crop. Man, my crops have done great. I've got plenty and I don't have nowhere to store all this stuff. I'm going to tear down these barns. I'm going to build bigger barns, store all this stuff in and I'm going to be set for life. I ain't going to have to worry about a thing. I'm just going to live it, live life easy, just kick back, just live life on easy street, ain't got a care left in this world. But what he did not realize is that that night his soul would be required of him and everything was gone and everything that he had laid up for himself in this world, all the riches and the treasures that he had laid up here were gone and were just given to somebody else or just done away with, and it didn't do him a bit of good. Only what he had done for Christ or what he had laid up treasure in heaven would have lasted, but he didn't do anything. He didn't have treasures in heaven. He had those treasures laid up on earth. We, as a blessed man, you don't lay up treasures on this earth. You have things. You have nice things. It's not bad to have things that you can enjoy and to have, but that's not what you live for. A blessed man doesn't live for the things of this earth. That's what the ungodly man lives for. They live for the pleasures of this world, the things that you can have. That's all they live for. That's what they talk about. That's where, why on Sundays and on Wednesday nights, they may be going to a ball game or they may be going golfing or going out and doing the things of this world and not coming to church and not fellowshipping with believers and getting refueled and just spending time in God's word. And they'll make the excuse in the mornings, oh, I don't have time to read my Bible. I gotta get to work kind of early and I gotta be, there. I got to be up early and get to work. And I I just don't have time to read my Bible in the morning. I know I don't get up as early as some, but I have to be at work at six o'clock in the morning. It's when we start. So I've got to make time before six o'clock to read God's word and to get started and to send out my morning meditation. Sometimes it's lunchtime or a little after before I get it out because it was a hectic morning. And sometimes you have those. You get up a little late, you just overslept and you just got to rush. And it's a little later before you get in God's word. But if you're in a routine of making yourself get up early, then those days that you do miss it early, you make sure you make up for it or you want to make up for it. And you're like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to miss today without reading because, man, it just helps me. So you make time when you get that time. But it's important when you are a blessed man, you're going to want that time. You're not going to avoid it or make excuses of why not to read God's word, why not to go to church. Oh, well, I got this or I got that. This is coming up. That's the attitude of the ungodly man. That's what this world says. This world says, I don't have time to go to church today. I got this. I got plans to 
Super Bowl's on or this is on, whatever's going on. I can't come to church. I got plans. I just don't have time. I, I work all week and Sunday's just my day to myself. Well, make another day a day to yourself. Sunday's the day that we've set aside for the Lord and to come into church and worshiping him. But that is the life of the ungodly man. The Bible also says that they are like chaff there in verse number Four, where it says, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. And that word chaff means light blown about by the wind. And what the chaff really, what's the, what it is here was when they would beat that wheat and they would have it on the threshing floor and they would beat at that wheat, all the light, the husks and all the part that just wasn't useful, that wasn't worth anything, when the wind would be blowing through, that heavy grain would stay on the ground and the rest of it as they beat it would come up and the wind would carry it away so that all all they were left with was the good and what they needed. But the world and the ungodly man, the Bible says they're like that chaff which the wind driveth away. And it's just blown around here, there, and everywhere. They don't have that grounded. They don't have, they're not established in God's word. In Ephesians 4, verse number 14, the Bible says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. And as I read this, just looking and kind of came to this verse when I was looking at being blown away and just the wind, that being like the chaff, the ungodly, this verse just kind of seemed to fit as he's talking to that, he's talking to the believers here, the apostle Paul is saying that we henceforth, because we're Christians, because we've been born again, we're no more like children, tossed to and fro, just kind of blown about here and there and just driven around everywhere. We're grounded in the faith. But those that are not born again, that don't know Christ, they're just kind of tossed around willy-nilly here and there, they see something that sounds good, that looks good, and they follow that for a little while. Well, then they see something that looks a little better and sounds a little better, so now they're over here. And they're just following every little thing that looks good, that makes them happy, that's all about them. And that's just kind of how the the ungodly man lives their life. They're always seeking something new, that next thing that's going to make them happy, the next thing that's going to just give them joy. And I, <clears throat> I hate to use this example Sort of, but when you think about today in our society and the divorce rate, how marriages, I mean, they don't last. People aren't happy with their spouse and how things are like, well, we just can't get along anymore. We just, we just can't do it. And I understand sometimes that's just the way things are. Just, it, it is, but it shouldn't be the way it is today because you have people, they'll get married, then they divorce, they get married, then they divorce them. And it's just, it's like an ongoing thing. But it kind of goes to this of they're not happy. They don't have the true joy of the Lord. They're just living their life of, well, when I just get tired of it, when, I can't, when the first hardship comes along, you just pass on. And you go to the, move on to the next best thing. Well, that one just got kind of dull and boring. It, was, it wasn't like it was. Well, now I'm going to go on to the next best thing. And it's just constant. I know that's kind of a, maybe a bad illustration, but it's the illustration that I had that I could come with because it's in our society and it's how it's just rampant that in our society and going on, and it's, it's what the mindset of the ungodly man is. Well, when this just doesn't make me happy like it used to, I'm going to move to the next thing. And it's not just with marriage in our society, it's with everything. When I get tired of this and it's not making me happy anymore, I'm going to this. All right, well, that's, I'm tired of that. It's not making me happy anymore. Now I'm going to this one. 
That is the lifestyle of, of an ungodly man. The man that is blessed is grounded in the word of God and God settles them in the path. Now he may change where they're going and what they're doing, but they're still faithful in everything that they do and they're faithful in growing for the Lord and continuing on for the Lord and they're excited. They don't get discouraged and down like the ungodly man when they're like, oh man, I just don't know what to do. This just ain't making me happy. I don't know what, I'm gonna go to this seeking that next pleasure. The blessed man may move around some. God may direct him here and there, but he's got joy in every step of the way. He doesn't move because he's just not happy, because God is just like, man, it's depressing. I've got to find something new that's better. He moves because God has moved in his heart to move. Sometimes you get discouraged somewhere, and you're like, well, God, is it time to move? And he says, no, you've got to stay. Sometimes you get discouraged somewhere, and you're like, well, God, is it time to move? Is, this, is it just... Is it time to move on? He says, yes, it is. And he opens that door and you move on. But many times it's you're not discouraged. You're not down when God's leading. You're excited where you're at, but God says it's time to move on and he moves you. And there's the difference is the blessed man has joy in each move, in every step that he takes where the ungodly man, he doesn't have joy. He just takes a next step when something looks a little better or when he gets tired of this one and he goes to find something better. And that's the life of the ungodly man. He's just blown around here and there everywhere that he goes. He's not grounded and he's not established. They do not have, the ungodly man does not have a solid foundation. They don't have Jesus Christ having them grounded. There just is the story of the Bible of the man who built his house upon the sand. They're just kind of here, there, just kind of, they don't have the solid foundation of Jesus Christ as the born-again believer and the blessed man that we can trust in the Lord. They're just grounded on this world and the shifting sand so that they're here and they feel like they've got their feet under them and they're just following the world and following what they're doing. Well, then a storm comes their way that as a blessed man, you're able to just stand there and withstand it, and it's coming, it's beating on you, and you can stand firm and stand strong. But for the ungodly man, when that storm hits them, their life falls to pieces, and they just fall apart, and they have to go build up again. And they, can, and they build up on that, that sand foundation again, and they think they've got it all together. Another storm comes by, it falls all to pieces, they've got to move on. And that's the life of an ungodly man. They don't have the solid rock of Jesus Christ to build their life upon, and they're just kind of here and there, and they're living for this world and for the pleasures that they can have there. But then the last thing that we notice about the ungodly man is that they will perish. And you find that in verse number six where it says, For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. <clears throat> and as we look at the ungodly man, that, that one that has not accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior, and I know I said at the beginning, as we look at the ungodly man, this is someone who has not accepted Christ, but we can find ourselves as believers sometimes drifting toward the lifestyle of the ungodly man, find ourselves falling away from the Lord and kind of living more of a life like an ungodly man would live instead of living a life that is blessed and excited and grounded upon the Lord. And in this world, if you're not spending time in God's word, delighting in his law and meditating on his law, it's a whole lot easier to get drifted away and start walking in that counsel of the ungodly and then find yourself standing in the way of sinners and then find yourself seated in the seat of the scornful and just fellowshipping with them. And then you find yourself living in that lifestyle of the ungodly. And it's up to us to determine that we're not going to get that far. We're not going to go there. Sometimes it don't start with walking in the counsel of the ungodly. Sometimes you just find 
find yourself sitting in the seat of the scornful right away as a born-again believer. You just find yourself falling away. Maybe you got hurt and the devil used something that, was, that hurts you and something that just, man, it just it, man, I can't believe they did that. And the devil got in there and he used that to get you out of church and to skip the first two digressions to, man, now you're just sitting in the seat of the scornful. You're just upset, you're mad, and you're just talking about them and you can't believe they did this and they hurt you. Well, guess what? Every single one of us that's standing here, including me tonight, we're all flesh and blood and we're gonna mess up and we may hurt you. I may say something that may hurt you, something that may be offensive, something that's not gonna, it's like, man, I can't believe they said that to me or said that about me. I'm sorry, I'm flesh. Is that an excuse to say it? No, but I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna say something that might hurt your feelings, that may offend you, and I apologize. I'm not trying to, but it's up to us as believers to have the mindset of a blessed man. Well, yeah, they might have said something, but that's between them and God, and let's just move on. It's not gonna help us to dwell on that. I don't need to think about it. Let me just go forgive them, even if they're not gonna forgive me. I'm gonna go forgive them, say, well, I forgive you for what you said, even though you may not. And sometimes you may have an alt with someone and you go to them to say, well, man, um, I forgive you for what you said. They didn't even know that it bothered you. They didn't even know that it offended you. They, They just said something, but the devil was using it to destroy you and to hinder you and to discourage you. But when you'll just forgive them, maybe you don't have to go to them, but you just say, Lord, it's out of my hands. I'm giving it to you. I forgive them, and we're gonna go on. And then you start getting blessed again, and you start carrying on. But the devil is always looking for something that he can use, something that he can do to pull you away from the lifestyle of being a blessed man or woman. The devil does not want you to live a blessed life because the devil don't want you to be happy because he knows knows the end that's coming and even though he knows that he can't destroy your life as we read for here where it says the ungodly shall perish <clears throat> even though the devil knows that he can't destroy your life and he can't take your soul as a born again believer he does want to destroy your testimony and he wants to tear you down so that you can hinder someone else from believing on Jesus Christ and he can use your destroyed testimony and your broken apart life that man they just I mean if they're a true christian they're living no different than I am why do I need what they have and i see a lot of that today in the world that we live in Many people that proclaim to be Christians, they say, well, I'm a Christian, and I go to church, man, we get excited at church, man, we praise the Lord, man, we shout, and we, it just gets on, and things are just wonderful, and they'll talk about that, but then a minute later or less, I mean, they're cussing. Something made them mad, maybe they're work, you're working on something, and they're sitting there, and you're just, they're just praising the Lord with you, like, yeah, man, God's good, and God will do this, and man, I, it was amazing what God was doing the other day, and then they get done talking, and they do something where they smack their finger, or they squish something, or they, they get something on something that's not supposed to be, and they just, man, just start cussing, and then it's the, their whole demeanor changes, and you're like, well, I mean, that's no different than the lost person that I'm working with. What example are you setting? If you're claiming to be a Christian, What example are you setting? What are you telling them that a true Christian lives like? That, well, when you're talking about the Lord, you got to be all something special. And when you come to church, you got to put on, you got to put on your best. You got to act right. But when you get out in the world, you don't have to. You can cuss just like they do, live just like they do. That's not a true Christian. That's not a true blessed man. A true blessed man and a Christian is someone who lives one thing in the church and the exact same thing outside the church. 
They're consistent. They don't say one thing when they're in church and praise the Lord and then get outside of church and you never hear them mention God. The person that is a blessed man, a born-again Christian, should be praising the Lord in church, singing loud for him and lifting their hand and saying amen. And then when they get in the world, they say amen just the same and they praise the Lord when something happens at work. Maybe you're in a workplace and you just start praising the Lord and somebody looks at you real funny like, what are you doing? Well, I'm just praising my Jesus because he just watched out for me. Or you, I can't believe what he just did for me. I Man, it's just amazing what God just did. And l- let me tell you what God did for me. You just share with them how amazing it is. And they'll be like, well, I mean, that ain't really that amazing. But I mean, okay, I'm glad you're praising the Lord for that. Kind of look at you real funny and real, like you're really weird. But if you're consistent, they'll see that difference. And you'll be amazed that when something happens or something goes wrong, who they're going to go to say, man, something's up. May- can you pray for me? <clears throat> maybe they made fun of you a few days before, but something tragic happened in their life and they're going to come to you and say, hey, would you pray for this situation? Pray for, pray for this person or pray for this. And because they see a difference in you, yeah, they may make fun of you to begin with, but they'll see that something's different and that there's something real in you and they'll come to you and the Lord may open a door where you can be a witness and a light to them and to just overflow God's word and to share the gospel with them. But sometimes the only gospel some people will see is the life that you're going to live. You may not get to share the gospel with them, but you'll live a gospel life in front of them so that the Lord can let somebody else come along behind you and win them to Christ. Because they're like, well, man, I worked with a guy or I worked with a lady. And, I mean, they, they were consistent. They loved the Lord and the Lord put somebody in their life to share the gospel. And, like, and they kept telling me that's what they had. And if that's what they had, that's what I want. And then they get saved. And you may never know it. You may never get to see it. But you will have that reward in heaven for that soul getting saved because you lived faithful in front of them. So you may not see down here the souls that you've impacted to reach them with the gospel for Christ and to get them to that saving knowledge and to draw them to Christ. You may not see it down here. But that's why it's important to live every day for the Lord because you don't know who you're impacting and who's watching you. And so it's important to live life as a blessed man. So the question I want to leave you with tonight asking you is, are you living the life of a blessed man? Do people look at you and see the characteristics of a blessed man that we've looked at tonight? Do they see the characteristics that say, hey, man, they delight in God's word. They're in it every morning, man. They're, they talk about God. They're, they love the Lord, man. <laughs> they get crazy excited when they're at church, when they hear the preacher stand up and he's ready to preach God's word. I mean, it's kind of weird. They just get excited all the time about God's word and about the things of the Lord. Or do they say, man, he's no different than I am. I mean, you Maybe you don't cuss, but you get mad and fly off the handle all the time. You use alternative cuss words um, and things of that sort and just things that just not necessarily cussing, but you just spouting off and getting mad all the time about things that happen. That's not a good testimony to have. And I try to work on it all the time because where I work, there are some individuals that know how to get under your skin. I mean, that's their life goal is just make everybody mad and uh, make everybody fly off the handle. It's kind of funny to me. So far, the Lord's helped me to be able to just laugh about it. And when they do make me mad, I can go and tell somebody what they did and just laugh about it. Like, you wouldn't believe what they did. Like, I I saw them doing this to this person. They're telling me, I'm like, you don't believe what they did to me. It's hilarious. They're over here doing this. Like, they're over here throwing pallets or they're over here trying to push buttons on the machine to slow things down and cause it to where it's just me getting behind and what I'm trying to do. And I'm just like, it's it's kind of funny to me because all I got to do, like, when they're doing something like that, I can do something simple of just 
just, well, I'm just going to let their stacks just get a little high where they got to slow down. They got to stop for a minute. Like, well, I mean, if you want to slow it down, it's not hurting me none. I'm just sitting here and pulling pallets. You're hurting yourself. I'm not hurting. But they think they're hurting me and like getting on my skin. But I just laugh about it so far. And thankful to the Lord, it's just funny. You just go on and see what they do and it kind of backfires on them and kind of hurts them because I'm still joyful in it and I'm still happy and laughing and praising the Lord but they're over there having a worse time because I'm not getting mad at what they're trying to do to make me mad and so just try that sometime when you know somebody's doing something to get under your skin just laugh about it and go smile about it and just carry on because I guarantee you it'll make them even more mad because they'll be like man it's not working why are they not getting mad at me why are they not upset that I'm doing this and sometimes they'll just come at you and they'll say things to other people like well they're just just mad about you and then they come to you like what are they mad about like I don't know maybe because I didn't get mad at what they were trying to do (laughs) I don't know why they're mad but that's how you can just be a light and be a witness be a blessed man delight in the law of the Lord delight in what God's word says and just read this word Get excited about God's word because then you'll have that lifestyle that'll just shine to others. Hey, maybe I want what they've got. Maybe I want what they have. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the day. Lord, thank you for the message we heard this morning. Lord, what you've done in hearts and lives this morning. Lord, how you spoke to my heart. Lord, I want to ask you now tonight, I ask you just to use your word, Lord. Use what was what was said, Lord, through your word, Lord, maybe to speak to hearts. Lord, help us to live the life of the blessed man, Lord, just to carry on for you, Lord, to delight in your word, Lord, and to meditate on your word. And Lord, we know that you you made us a promise you'll prosper us, Lord, if we'll study. And Lord, we'll just delight in you. And Lord, we just want to say we love you. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, Lord, for what you are, Lord, what you've done, Lord, and what you're going to do. Lord, we'll give you all the praise and glory that's due your name. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray and give thanks. Amen. Well, heads, and bow, heads bowed and eyes closed. Let's all stand around the auditorium. Just open the time for invitation. Um, I don't know what the Lord might be speaking to your heart about. Maybe you're here tonight and you're lost. Maybe you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's no better time than tonight than to come and ask the Lord to forgive you and to be made a part of the family of Christ and to join that family. And just to be able to have that joy that you hear me talking about where when somebody's trying to make you mad, you can laugh about it. And you can just smile and you can just be happy even though somebody's trying their best to get under your skin. You can still be happy. You say, well, how in the world is that possible, Jesus? When he's filling you up and you're overflowing with him, man, you can laugh and you can have joy when somebody's really trying to make you mad. You can have that joy. Don't believe me? Give it a try. Trust the Lord. Accept the Lord as your personal Lord and Savior. Ask him in. It's not all a bed of roses. Living for the Lord ain't a life, just this prosperous life. All your cares and troubles are going away. It's, it's life. You have to live life. But there's no greater life than living for Jesus, knowing that whatever comes your way, you've got a friend that sticketh closer than a brother right by your side, walking with you through everything. He's walked through it already and paved the way, but yet he still cares enough to walk right by your side through it again to help you through. And so trust the Lord tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you just want to ask the Lord to help you to live that life of a blessed man or a blessed woman and to just be a light for him and to just go on for him. I don't know what the need might be tonight, um, but these altars are open. Um, If you have a need, maybe you just want to praise the Lord tonight for something that he's done in your heart, that he's done in your life. For those, by way of live stream, we have the 
prayer helpline. There's a number on the bottom of your screen if you have anything that you need help praying about. If you're lost and you want to know how to be saved, you want to know how to have that joy all the time and have that, that peace and just that happiness, call that number on the screen. We've got people waiting by the phones tonight that would love to share that good news with you. Maybe you just need prayer. You need help praying that you just want to live that blessed life and you just want someone to pray with you to help you with that. Call that number. They're there waiting on you, ready um, to pray with you and to encourage you.